to the antagonist. I'm Andrew. I am Ryan. However, today I am identifying as Danny Butterman because I am yes. him, and I am him and he is me. I think any college graduate within a year of graduating can identify with Danny Butterman because we literally <laughs> do nothing for the year we graduate, <laughs> at least a year after. <laughs> but if you haven't picked up on it already, today we are talking about Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. It is scram. <laughs> it is uh, pretty widely considered as like one of the best British comedies, like ever. Uh-huh. But ignoring that, Ryan, what did you personally think about Hot Fuzz? I am very biased. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. I loved yeah. it when it came out. I still love it, and now that um, I'm. I graduated and I actually want to pursue, you know, a film degree. I look at this and I'm just like, ah, this is so good. Like I, I went into this movie with the purpose of specifically focusing on the DP work, Mm -hmm. um, with with a few notes of how like the sound works well with it. But like as, as a movie with the DP aspect of it, like this is, it's just so good. That yeah. being said, I do understand that British humor and the way they shot this is really <laughs> not for everybody. Like, no, no, it's just it's very different from the norm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I think it's fantastic for so many reasons that we'll get into as we get moving along through this story. But I, I think it's important for people to understand first off that this is British humor, so. Like I said, there's a big difference, or like you said, big difference between American humor and British humor. But also, this film is a satire, I, I guess. Like, it, it, you can qualify it as a satire of action films, but that was, that's also kind of selling it short because this is its own film. Mm-hmm. And like, it celebrates cheesy action cop flicks as much as it makes fun of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. And like, it's one thing to dislike a film genre and make fun of it, but like you don't get that vibe in this. Like you, you get the feeling that Edgar Wright obviously loves like cop films and action films because this isn't just like some narcissistic jab at that type of film. Like it's like a sarcastic love letter to the genre. And <laughs> That's such I a just, good description. I love it. Dude, I love this film. I, I People don't understand that about satire. You can't, make a good satire without actually loving and understanding the content. It just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's great. I can't wait to hear what you got to say about the DP work. And we'll just, we'll get into it. Oh, 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 oh. oh. I think I'm going to orgasm the, talking about this. That's the sound of excitement right there. Oh, oh. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, well, that I aside, I just witnessed Drew's orgasm face, so that was great. <laughs> so the the very first shot, uh, we we get into a voiceover right away. I usually hate voiceovers. I usually can't stand them. I love this voiceover. Oh yeah, because it sets him up to be like this awesome, legit cop, uh, to be super cool. And it just kind of like pulls the rug out from under him. And 
it was all stuff that was new to us. It wasn't stuff that we didn't need to know. Like this voiceover provided a lot. And it was like a big gag because then it's just like a bait and switch. And it's it's awesome. I love it. Me too. And dude, the opening shot, like it is a little long, mm. but I don't know. It just, it's just uh, such a gorgeous shot. Like it's it's so simple. It's just this wide shot of this guy walking through a hallway, but the lighting with it. Yes. I don't want to believe that this was done in a studio it just it looks so good like it actually looks like i'm looking at sunset yeah no that that was like people don't realize how well put together this film is yeah or it's like i don't want to say people in general anybody who knows anything about film will realize that but just for the common viewer this film is is shot so well Mm -hmm. and like Edgar Wright's style is just right in your face right away. And like when you talk about lighting and you talk about, you know, the cinematography and all that, it shows that he's interested in making a good film. That's also funny. Not just making a funny movie. A lot of people can make funny movies, but he wants to make a good movie. And it's it's refreshing, dude, honestly. It really is. And having um Oh, what's his name? Uh, the main actor, Simon, Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg. Having him, one, write this with Edgar Wright. Yeah. And I'm sure he had some say in, you know, what was being shot and what was being done and all that stuff. But like Simon Pegg is such a talented writer. And I'm pretty mm. sure he's directed stuff in the past. And it, it's like, it, there's such a good combination to make oh, yeah. this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, these two like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, they're in the same, like after all these films that they did together, they're, they're in the same territory as like Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. They, that was like the powerhouse of satire back when Mel Brooks was at his prime. And like, they're great at it. I love it. So, but we'll move on to the bar scene. If you don't have anything else to say about everything moving forward, I'm sure you probably have something to say about the transition scene. Because that's Honestly, awesome. like, it, it's hard to put into words, like, what mm-hmm. I feel about this one. Just because this is, like, a common um, way to shoot this movie. Like, we see it throughout the entire thing. It's not just for the opening scene. So, yeah. But I think um, the way it does it, you know, the way that... Um, between the quick cuts, the even the jump cuts, was it uses jump cuts quite often throughout this movie. Oh, yeah. It does it so well. Um, the zooms um, using like a pole or a person or a building or whatever as a transition, like it's just gorgeous. And it establishes that this is what the movie is going to be like throughout the entire thing right from the beginning. And I'm so happy that it actually continued to do that versus just, oh, okay, here's a cool opening scene. The rest of the movie is just meh, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I like it when people take the same care for the entire movie, as or just as much care throughout the entire movie as they do through the opening scene. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes you see opening scenes, draw people in, and then they don't really care about it after that. But <laughs> I, just call it as it is. But I, I love the bar scene when he first gets to town. I think it's a great place to start because, like, the, the pub – it's like a recurring setting and it's just kind of a good vibe for the town in general. 
Mm-hmm. But like Peg's uptight, well, I guess uh, Sergeant Angel, his his uptight strictness, it just it rubs so harshly against the small town like laissez faire attitude. And it's like this genuine conflict. And like it's it's played up, obviously, for laughs. Like it's it's definitely enhanced. Mm-hmm. But like it feels genuine. Right? Like there's always something fun in comedy when the motivation and the context feels genuine, but the result is absurd. And it just it kind of helps ground it a little bit. I'm not saying everything has to be like you know realistic motivation and context but like to just get some groundwork that's realistic yeah really goes a long way so that when the movie does travel into the absurd you're not like just sitting there staring at the screen thinking what am i watching (laughs) (laughs) i mean it does that it does a good job of that even before the bar scene i mean look at the interaction between him and the sergeant him and his ex-lover which yeah i think it's just funny <laughs> yeah i'm dating somebody what? hi janine i've been transferred i'm not janine <laughs> that is a great scene i love that i'm seeing somebody else is it bob do i look like somebody who would date bob poor bob <laughs> bob got screwed man yeah I, but i did that to bring that up there <laughs> there was a purpose um we see what he's what, what you're talking about with the bar scene. We see that during the crime scene too. We just get a more of a taste of it in mm-hmm. the like how people react to it in London and versus a crime scene versus the small little town of uh, Sanford, Stanford, Sanford, San, like Sanford, yeah, Sanford. Okay, Sanford. But yeah, and uh, and again, we'll probably talk about this quite a bit. But the editing and cinematography up to this point, especially in the point where he's like busting all the kids for underage drinking and stuff. And it's just a really good example of how cinematography and editing can drive the pace. Oh, yeah. Because by all means, this should probably feel pretty slow. Like what's what's happened up to this point that like that requires this type of pacing? You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Like he's just, he's moved to Sanford, he's been in a pub, and he busted a few kids for underage drinking. But this film is shooting it like he's in this intense action sequence. And it's like, it's like this rapid cutting and like it's very lively. And I've talked about pacing before. And like, it's just just a good example of like how a slow film doesn't have to feel slow. And... It's just like this fun juxtaposition of like what's happening compared to how they're shooting it. And I just, I love it. Oh yeah. While you're talking about pacing, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it made me think of the scene when he was actually moving out to the country. Yeah. Like it, it's shot the same way. It's, it feels like this super action. There's a lot going on. It's just, he, it's crazy what's going on, but he's literally just moving out to the country. Yeah, and the visuals and the way it's edited it makes it feel so much faster and greater. And the visual representation of his phone losing signal, yeah, to show that he's going—he's so far out of London, dude. Like it—it it was just—it was genius. It somehow I, made this boring, moving scene going from a busy city to a boring country seem just like kept me on the edge of my seat. Kind of exciting. I'm like, just what? I, I'm so glad you caught that 
the the phone losing signals because or signal not signals phone losing bars because like at first if you watch this you might just think it's like okay here's some just filler shots da 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 but you watch it again and it starts off with a london taxi versus a small town taxi the signs are different the phone is losing signal and it's like these things that are like actually telling us they're not just random shots like Edgar Wright didn't just go oh it's uh, you know taxi and and cell phone train taxi cell phone sure that's like he was he was very intentional Mm -hmm. with like the shots are rapid but they're not poorly thought out and i'm glad you mentioned that man so good so good i like that (laughs) um but yeah and And going back to the bar scene there was one thing that really stood out with me too this wasn't deep work but it was using a bright light (laughs) reflecting off of his braces yeah and i just think one that's kind of funny but two i do actually think it kind of represents um like that light bulb moment oh yeah so i I actually drew a comparison to um when in the bible when joseph saw the angel Uh, that was kind of his uh realization moment he knew what was going on and everything and i think that um that was used in kind of the same fashion nice yeah Yeah, dude i love that there's there's so many little things in this film Mm-hmm. If you're watching it from a technical standpoint, this film is awesome. That's one reason I was so excited to do this. Like, <laughs> uh, and so like, we're talking a little bit about some of the extremes, how they'll use small filmmaking techniques to the extreme to kind of sell a point or like as a gag and like comedy and filmmaking in general, it's just great when it's like opposites clashing. And this film like pulls that to the extreme. And you've got like the high intensity London cop versus the small town cop and like the uptight sergeant versus a slob partner. And it's like the slow and dry humor versus rapid cutting or rapid cutting and like this fast cinematography style. So there's just a lot of fun and a lot of interest going on in like every shot. It's just so carefully put together. That's why I'm so biased and like geeking out about this movie because everything is just done so well. And well, it, yeah, I mean, it's just it's obvious that they loved this script and they loved the movie and they wanted to to do really well. Oh yeah, I mean, they didn't take any shortcuts. But uh, one of the gags that I thought was great is the swear box. I thought that was hilarious. I had a good. <laughs> I need I one had of those. A, <laughs> I had a good time with that anytime it came up. And uh yeah, I mean I obviously I'm not gonna venture into which words <laughs> which words required which amount of money, but it was kind of just fun to see. <laughs> but Well and, it also uh, played on to the supposed good people of this uh town. It, <laughs> yeah. like it, we were supposed to think that you know that these people are wonderful and great and oh they're they yeah. a spare jar for all the proceeds go to the church roof and all that it's like uh, well something else is obviously going on yeah uh and then also it was kind of at this point so you know with all the cops uh kind of jabbing at each other they're introducing themselves to the cops 
or they're introducing Sergeant Angel to the rest of the department, rather. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was like, I was like, this movie's smart. Like, these aren't just throwaway jokes where someone's cheesing and deliver like delivering it over the top for a laugh. Like, it's clever jokes with a lot of designed humor. And it's just it's so different from American comedy. Mm-hmm. where it's just like, eh, just throw these two in a scene together and uh, they improv for a little bit and we'll stumble on something funny eventually. Like, Which sometimes that works, but sure. you still have to be intentional about how this, uh, that or like, so my first thought is supposedly the Pirates of the Caribbean scene where um, Jack Sparrow has like a jar of dirt. It's like, I got a jar of dirt. Guess what's yeah. inside? Like that, like supposedly... That was like not in the script. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not saying it is, but if it is, who knows? They, you know, they have to set up the scene for the characters to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and so that's why sometimes it falls flat. That's some sort. Bleh. That's why sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. That's why you have to be so intentional. Um, that's why I prefer, and I think that this movie does it a little bit better and a little bit more right because they are so much more intentional about the jokes. Like there might be some improv scenes, but you know, everything is more intentional and that's why it hits so much better and harder. Yeah. And, and I can guarantee you if there was an improv thing that worked well, they didn't just go, ah, leave it in there. They probably said that was great. How can we shoot this and put it together so that it fits into this film that we're making? Absolutely. I, I just I don't I don't get the impression that it was just like, oh yeah, just feel free to, you know, toss some stuff out there and then we'll just leave it in there if it's good. But so Ryan, I want to talk about the chase scene next. Okay. If you don't have anything else to say before we get to the shoplifter. I don't believe so. Okay. So, obviously, there's a couple different chase scenes in this film, but for this first one, I just want to talk about the sound design, okay. which is fantastic. Oh. It's like, it's a little over the top, which this film definitely warrants, and it's constantly making fun of action films, uh, sometimes very subtly, like in the sound effects, and then other times, it's very blatantly making fun of action films, but like... Good satire is just a great mix of blatant and subtle shots. And you kind of think of it like boxing a little bit. Like you get your jabs and your jabs and you wear them down. And then you take your calculated big swings, right? And like that's just the sound design here. Like it's it's very subtle. And while it's over the top, most people won't catch it. They'll just kind of feel it. Uh, most people aren't being like, oh, wow, their sound design's great here. It's just kind of like, you know, it's just one of those things that you just kind of internalize. And you can't explain why you like the chase scene, but you just do. <laughs> but, dude, I love the fact that this entire chase scene. There's one specific thing that I'm always just like, "Ha, that's funny," and it's I, when he turns around one of the corners and there's just a bunch of mothers with their babies. He just goes, "You mothers, mothers!" Like <laughs> that's such. A chasing cliche. It really is. Like somebody always seems to get in the way and it always yeah. seems to be a mother and her baby. Like, <laughs> and it's just so many of them. Yeah. 
Uh, I also love the part where Sergeant Nicholas Angel goes jumping over the fences like, you know, like a freaking ninja. And, and then, then here comes here Danny comes. just <laughs> bursting through the fence. <laughs> I love it. The chase scene, like you said, just making fun of chase scene, chase scene cliches. <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude! I actually, so I actually watched this movie with um, my my girlfriend. Uh, hey, last week I think. Yeah, it last week or two weeks ago. I introduced her to this movie. Nice. Uh, I showed her the trailer, and she was like, "All right, we need to watch this." <laughs> but when that scene came up, she she was she looked right at me. She goes, "You know that you're Sergeant Angel, and I'm Danny in that situation, right?" I looked right at her, and I'm like, "Yeah." yeah dude but i i do find it funny you've mentioned several times how people relate to characters Mm -hmm. specifically danny but like the characters are relatable like they feel like real people i mean obviously worked up to extremes of what that character what that archetype would be but like these are relatable people who whether you're on one spectrum or the other you're like I like and I understand this person. <laughs> it goes a long ways it to really making does. us like the characters, yeah. And I I love I like oh. in a regular film. Oh, you froze. Did I freeze? Oh, more technical difficulties. All right, everybody. Well, I guess I'm taking over the show for myself since uh, Drew's screen has froze. I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, welcome to the antagonist, where Drew is no longer the host and he is no longer a part of it. I am Ryan Sisk. Also I'm parse, back. And <laughs> you need to listen to that whole audio bit just because when you're editing this. <laughs> but like I was saying <laughs> before I froze for some reason, uh, I love, and this wouldn't work in many, many films. I love how this escalated so fast and so absurdly. Mm-hmm. It goes from small town cop comedy to slasher murder mystery. (laughs) And like, I'm just curious, what did you think of that? Like, just it's a crazy pacing change. But what when you watch that, what were you thinking? Um, So I, I need your help a little bit with this because I'm my mindset is going to the first character that dies is the house getting blown up. I, I know that's not right. Which, which character is first the, murdered? The first character who gets murdered is the actor. Uh, the actor that's and right. his missus. Well, not his missus, but his uh, side chick. So those are the first people who get murdered. They did a public service. <laughs> they definitely did a public service by getting rid of them. <laughs> they, they were obnoxious. Yes, they were. <laughs> But yeah, so what did you think of that pacing? Because it's just, it happens so fast. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Dude, I I remember how I felt the first time I watched this movie. When mm-hmm. I saw that, I was like, what yeah. is going on? Yeah. How the heck did we just go from a, a, a terrible rendition of Romeo and Juliet to die, 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 die? Like... Yeah. Well, I mean, that is Romeo and Juliet, isn't 
I mean, in a different kind of sense, but like, sure. <laughs> no, it, it's like the first time I saw this, it shocked me. <laughs> like, I didn't expect, like, I knew what I was going into. I knew there was going to be some, um, some type of murder mystery. I knew there was going to be a little bit more going on and all that. But like, to have it switch that quickly, yeah, it, it took just, me back. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think it's brilliant. And I think it's intentional, like very intentional. Oh, most definitely. And like, because I, I don't know, there's sometimes in an action film where you're just like, um, what? So that's just what we're doing now, huh? And it's <laughs> like, that's just, that's the pace. Okay. And like, you'll get that in a lot of action films, not to this extreme, but like, I think that's the point is just the sudden pace change. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's very intentional. And, and in a serious action film, it'll feel rushed, but here it's hilarious. Almost definitely. Yeah. And I love the first laugh that we get out of Simon Pegg in this movie. Because like Danny and Nicholas, they're becoming friends. Yeah. And it's great just how like genuine and gradual it feels to Nicholas not feel in the small town at all. And then suddenly they're in the pub and then Nicholas finally kind of laughs at one of Danny's jokes. And I can't remember what the joke itself was. The ketchup. Was it the ketchup? Yeah, it was the ketchup because that plays an important role later. But no, that was the first thing that made uh, Simon Pegg's character, an Angel, laugh. Yeah. And it was like and genuine. I- Sp- speaking of that scene. Okay. I just, I just, mm-hmm. I, 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 I need to address this. Yeah, dude. Go ahead. This is the beer snob in me. The <laughs> beer they were drinking definitely was not a lager. Ooh. And that bothers me a little bit, and I know it shouldn't, <laughs> but it does. That's true, yeah. I see. I I'm none the wiser, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that. Hmm, I mean, that's there was interesting. A couple of, yeah, there was a couple of cuts. That yeah, it showed like a darker beer, which those yeah. are lagers, but the light yellow ones, those are not lagers. Lagers hmm. are darker. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Edgar Wright does a lot with like bar scenes and stuff like that. So that's interesting that a little detail like that would be off. I mean, maybe I'm just wrong and lagers can be light, but any lager I drink is not. No, dude, that's interesting. I like that. But so anyways, yeah, I just I thought it was important to note kind of the time that the film invested into their friendship. Oh, what do you know? Lagers can be lighter. Really? Yeah. Well, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. They, they can be, but it's okay. It's a pale ale. Oh, it's like an it's like an ale lager kind of. So it okay. So I was wrong. I was wrong. I'll admit that. I'm okay. sorry. I apologize. But yes. Okay. Continue See, to the see, actual subject of this movie, since we probably sh- don't want to actually talk about beer. <laughs> that's all right. We're teaching you guys about filmmaking and beer. If you have any alcohol questions, I for sure can answer them. <laughs> uh, one cut that I want to talk about that I think is brilliant, among many brilliant cuts in this film, but the one that stood out to me was the head smack cut. When the killer goes into the dude's mansion and Simon is going home with Nick to like go on a movie night. And the killer walks in and he smacks the rich dude in the head 
like a baton. And as that dude is falling over, it cuts to Sergeant Angel falling into the couch. And like, it's, it's such a creative little cut. Mm-hmm. And then like, just shortly after Angel presses the remote and then the house explodes. And like, just these fun little cuts that are so clever. It's awesome. Speaking of that scene, there's a foreshadowing in that scene. Did you know? Oh, yeah. Mansion. Yeah. No, no. What is it? So I never realized this until I watched it on uh, this time. But in the shot when they reveal (laughs) the killer, he's in like a three-way mirror. Mm. We're led to believe that. And then as soon as it, you know, switches, we only see one guy. I think that the three-way mirror is foreshadowing saying there's more than one villain, which spoiler alert, there is. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never even realized that until I saw it this time. I was like, dude, that's got to be like a genius way of foreshadowing. Like th- there's no way it's not. Edgar Wright that's... is way too intentional in his movies not to have that, that yeah. purpose. No, yeah, that's definitely intentional. That's good. I didn't catch that. There was, there was another moment of foreshadowing earlier when they were talking about the swan. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but since we're talking about foreshadowing, I think it's great. Maybe not even foreshadowing. It might just be a bit more of a callback. But earlier when they were in the store and the lady was asking about the swan and she goes, did you catch the swans? And Nick goes, oh, no, ma'am. It was just one swan. And oh, then, yep. Yeah. And then later on, this. so did you catch the killer? Oh, it's just one killer. <laughs> it was like, and you can see like Nick doing like algebra in his head, mm-hmm. figuring things out. Yeah, just kind of a fun little. I guess that's not really foreshadowing. Probably just more of a fun callback. But yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, it could be either or. I mean, and since we're on that, um, it happens in in that scene specifically, but it happens quite often throughout the whole movie. Every time Nick a has ton. a realization or he remembers something or figures something out, whatever, you'll notice the camera slowly creeps in on his face. Mm-hmm. Every time, every single oh, yeah. time. Yeah, it's the camera work definitely adds to anything that Nick is feeling. Mm-hmm. It's really, really smart. I also love I love the constant nods to Skinner being like the bad guy, right? It's like he's kind of a red herring, I guess. It's it's just it's a great misdirection, and I'm like not even really a misdirection though. Like it's not wrong, but it's also not entirely true. And it's kind of one of those fun cliches where it's like, oh, it's so obvious. So it can't be him, right? Mm -hmm. And then like later how it kind of unfolds is is a lot of fun. Well, I think they painted Skinner as the classic psychopath because, you know, in most – I think this is fairly true for like real life as well. But um, like – oh, how do I put this? Psychopaths want you to know who did it but they don't want to be caught. Yeah. And I think they kind of use that as a like character model for Skinner. Cause obviously he's like, you know, I did it. I'm playing yeah. music that says I did it. I am creepy as all hell. I say things that make you think I did it. It's like, he wants to be no, he wants oh, yeah. the attention. And you know, some could argue that it's the miscon or not misconception, misdirection. Um, yeah to lead angel away from it but at the same time it's like he's being painted as a typical psychopath like or Mm -hmm. serial killer so yeah i don't know 
No, yeah, I, I just, I think they handle that so well. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Uh, and so since we're also talking about the killer and Skinner and all that, you have that chase scene where one of the killers, well, I guess we can say that at this point because he already said what's happening with that. But that chase scene where one of the killers walks in and just like shoves a pair of, of gardening shears into that old lady. And that poor sweet old lady. I know. Rich. I know. And all she wanted to do was what? Move out and go somewhere else and start. Yeah, I literally don't know. just move her business. That's all she wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, again, the chase scenes are fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Like chase scenes, a lot of times they're just generic and they're kind of shaky messes and like fast cutting. It's just like, blah. like you can't really see what's going on. I usually hate a lot of them, but like done with this, with the shoplifter and now the killer, it's just so lively and you can actually see what's happening, which is great. But, uh, we're gonna, so the way we're kind of moving now, we're moving more toward, uh, Nick figuring things out and getting into a confrontation with the big fella, the one who just goes, yarr. Like every yar, yar. Uh, but before yarp. we get into no, he, he, don't, don't forget the p, it's very important. Yarp. Oh, yarp. 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 <laughs> but before we get into that, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Because I mean, we're really making time here. I mean, it's it, there's nothing to complain about. So. No, there's really not. I, I, dude, I love the scene. I love the square box because it it plays yeah. such a big role in this in the one scene where he's like leslie tiller was murdered <laughs> he's already added the quarter knowing he was gonna say it and then he says it again thank you danny yeah i i, I think that whole scene is just i love it like it, it dp wise shooting wise it, it's really nothing special but just that yeah. scene i was like that this is so funny this is good this is true british humor and i i really appreciate it well, it's it's such a it's a big scene. Like he walks in there yelling, and it's very intense. And the whole time he's just shoving quarters in the cuss box every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just it's a fun gag, dude. It really is. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's all I got. So okay, yeah, sounds good. So we get to the fight, and now this will be one of my very very few complaints. Is we get to the fight scene between Nick and the big guy. And I don't really love the fight scene. I mean, there's a lot of cuts. It's kind of hard to follow. It This one just doesn't quite do it for me. Like, maybe they're trying to make fun of, like, hyper-cut action scenes. But I'm just not huge on this one. I, like, I don't know. This one is just a little hard for me to watch. Well, and I think they put a little bit of a limitation on themselves, too. Because... Yeah. I did feel that way a little bit, but I think it's because yeah. like they're in such an enclosed space. It's tight, yeah. That a lot of quick cuts like that is hard to pull off because you lose your sense of place and where they are. Because it's yeah. such a small space that when you move from, I say, you know, the left side of his body to the right side, like you don't really notice it right away and it's hard to follow because it's a small space. Like it, they're, you're very limited uh on the size of the room that you're in obviously and that's how it is for every film yeah Um, but this one specifically i i think they i think they could have just 
maybe taken out some of the quicker cuts and it would have felt a little bit better. That being said, I know it would have probably messed with the pacing of the movie, but I do understand why it just didn't feel as good as some of the other fight scenes. Yep. And, and that's of course, when we talk about this film, very little to complain about. And like, even this scene, uh, again, when a film is really good, it buys a lot of good grace. So a lot of people will watch this scene and they won't have anything to say about it. Mm-hmm. It'll just be a scene. And they'll be like, that was good. Next. So I just say that strictly for the sake of being like sort of nitpicky and, and kind of saying it's not perfect. Not to say, I mean, the film's fantastic, but that was just one scene that didn't quite hit it for me. I can understand that. I kind of had that yeah. mindset of, okay, just another scene. Not really yep. sure what happened, but Angel won. So let's just move on. So yeah. that's kind of where I was at. But I do, I do get what you're saying. So Yep. But, and so we get Sergeant Nicholas Angel Angled. into the angle <laughs> into the cult it's like i can't remember what they're called what, what was the official name i think they literally like, just called themselves like the neighborhood watch honestly oh yeah that's right that's right yeah uh i love how ridiculous their reasons are for killing people mm-hmm. like just straight up murder and they're just like yeah they're bad actors poor journalism annoying laugh <laughs> it's like I because it's 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 such an action film like a mystery film cliche to have these big moments where you're like this is how I put together the mystery and they're like talking about how this ties into this ties into this ties into that and it's like these big moments of revelation and instead this film is just like oh I mean yeah that that would make sense but no <laughs> it's just like we're just petty <laughs> that's that's all it is they're pettier than jubilee <laughs> and like jubilee if you're listening i am not sorry <laughs> at all but i love you mom yeah <laughs> it's just like it's such a fun way of of how this film tiptoes absurdity a lot and sometimes crosses into it but like it does it pretty tactfully and like mm-hmm. this is one of those moments where it crosses in and it pays off big time i just i love it <laughs> oh most definitely and then moving on to the chase scene <laughs> an- another chase scene another chase uh, scene when he's underground like dude the the visual representation mixed with the voiceovers i i think it plays so well because it's not a voiceover it doesn't feel like a voiceover to me it felt like i was in ang- angles angle <laughs> angle it felt like i was in angel's head and this is how he's realizing what's going on as he's seeing all these dead bodies yeah yeah I, I, it, I, just, it works so well for me no i agree 100 percent, and I also think another thing with this chase scene, really this night scene in general, I guess, is the lighting is great. Oh, yeah. Like, it's dark, but it's not hard to see. And there's a lot of night scenes that don't nail that. And, like, this, it, it just it nails the dark lighting, 
which is really hard. Yeah, well, that's the biggest problem with horror movies nowadays is yeah, you have to have the lights off, which I'm sure that's mm-hmm. kind of intentional. But at the same time, it's like, I love horror movies. I watch them all the time. They're so great. like, if I want to eat dinner, I'm not going to do it in the dark, like lighten up the scene a little bit so I can have a light on and still see what's going on. Like, Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so this, this whole, uh, chase scene and then the good old ketchup trick, yeah. you gotta love it, man. You gotta Ta-da. love it. And so I'm kind of curious. So you said you watched this with a girlfriend yep, and she'd never seen it before. Nope. So when that happened, was her reaction like, Oh, Danny actually turned on him or was it just a moment of like, I don't, I'm not sure. Like what was, it was a, it was a sigh of relief from her actually. Not, not because Angel was alive, but because Danny didn't actually, wasn't actually evil. Okay. It was was one of those like, Oh, thank God. He's not the, like his dad or something, you know? So, so just a little bit of doubt. She wasn't like full sail tricked. But she was like, th- there was definitely doubt there. Is that what I'm? I don't know under- if it was doubt, more anger, because she's like, no, they can't make Danny that character. They can't do that to him. Okay. Yeah, I, I see, don't even that's... know if it was doubt or anything, but she she wasn't too happy with the fact that Danny was <laughs> evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, that's like I I've seen this film before, and I can't remember the first time I saw it how I felt about it. I it was a while ago, and so. When I watch it again, all I'm thinking is they do a pretty good job selling that. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of curious to hear what somebody who hadn't seen it before thought of that. But that's interesting. I like that. Well, my reaction when I first saw it was, oh, come on. I like Danny. <laughs> so you were full sales, like full sale tricked. Oh, I was so pissed. I really believe <laughs> that. I was like, okay, there's still some time in this movie. There's obviously something else going on. He probably just yeah. survives. And then when he opens the trunk and shows the ketchup packet, I was like, you mother. Yeah. <laughs> and, it so, and it points it right back to a gag that they had earlier in the movie. Yep. Again, something this film is great at. But I want to talk about the suit up scene where he goes to the, the armory. And Ryan, what do you have to say about that? Because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you have something to say. I love the scene. <laughs> I love yeah. it so much. Um, there are so a lot of movies I know use that quick zoom yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, but that's because it doesn't match the pace of the movie most of the time. Mm-hmm. This whole movie is paced like that. So to yeah. see it used and know that it's okay because that's the pacing that was set. I love it. The suit up scene with the quick zooms, the, all the close ups. We don't ever really see anything until he's completely suited up, which I appreciate because it's like, okay, he's getting ready. He's getting ready. He's, he's going to look like a badass. All right. I don't get to see it yet. He's, he's, he's got to look like a badass. And then when it shows it, it's like, badass. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, it's like, it's the gold standard for a lot of like, for just about every other suit up scene. Like, mm-hmm. It's it's ten times better than the scenes that it's parodying, like that parodying, making fun of. It's there like <laughs> it's just like, and I think that's important. Like parody shouldn't just 
make fun of a style, but it should do that style well. And it's it's super easy to make a bad version of a film. But like it's it's so much harder to love the genre, make fun of it, but also do it super well. Mm-hmm. And that's just what this suit up scene is. It, yeah, it, awesome. I think putting it in simpler terms, it's hard to make a good movie while still making it feel similar to like scary movie or space balls or yeah. uh, the superhero movie like because those are just dumb all the way through all the way <laughs> and they make you laugh but oh, there's yeah. nothing really good about them technically visually um sound light story whatever it's all always really bad but that's the point of it mm. so to find that like happy medium between a good movie and still making fun of it like they did such a good job of mashing the two together oh yeah and uh, so, and so, are you good to start talking about kind of the finale? Because it go crazy. Yes. Also, I, mean, it, I have one question before we talk about the finale. How is sure. nobody dead? What do you mean? How is everybody still alive? There's a lot of dead people in this movie at this point. No, I mean of the villains. Like, how are none of the villains dead? Oh, like how have none of them? Like, how has nobody fought back against one of them before or something and killed they them? They were literally in a firefight, and they're all still alive by the end of the movie. How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, are they all alive? I thought Simon Pegg went in and shot a bunch of them. Yeah, he shot them, but they're still alive. Oh, really? Yeah, because at the end of the movie, they have to do all the paperwork. We get all the pictures, the quick flashes and everything, and the evidence room when they're holding up the cards and all that. Because when I first saw this, I was like, oh, they're not good. Sergeant Neal took law into his own hands. And then at the end, they took pictures of all the villains. I was like, how are they still breathing? I I actually think that's kind of hilarious because <laughs> there's a lot of times in action films where somebody will get like fatally shot and they're obviously dead. And then they just show up at the end of the movie and they're like, oh, yeah, a flesh wound. <laughs> and it's like, I I think that's awesome. I didn't even realize that. I think it's funny. I'd I'd caught them making fun of people not dying a couple of times, but just the fact that every single villain lived, I think that's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) But so anyways, (laughs) getting into this finale here, it, 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 I don't know. I guess we'll just start talking. So, the Western musical cues as he rides into town is perfect. Again, can't stress enough how creative this film is with its sound design. And the breakneck pace here is just like, it's super intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, it, There's a lot of films that are like, okay, finale, we need to get everything in right now. Just, just shove it all in there last half hour. <coughs> Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> 1984 but but yeah i i don't get that vibe here i like this it feels very intentional which but there's one specific line actually in this that i have heard before in person would you like to know what it is yes guys sergeant angel is here not that part look at his horse (laughs) 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 nice 
I heard oh. that line. I was like, all right, I got to make a joke about that somehow. Uh, there's still going to be people listening to this who don't get it. I mean, my, my girlfriend said that to me, so i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> if that doesn't if that doesn't help you pick up what i'm laying down then well you just have no place trying to figure it out <laughs> uh, one thing in this finale that i love is all the nods to michael bay because like if you haven't noticed the finale is very like some of these shots are very michael bay-esque and like whether you like his films or not i understand but he is like he's the quintessential like summer blockbuster action film director and in some of these shots you'll just see like an absurd number of cuts and like the big rotating hero shot and like the helicopter flying overhead yep car jumping over the camera like so many michael bay staples and it's like obviously it's making fun of him a little bit but it's also like paying tribute to his directing style. And I thought that was hilarious because the way you shoot something, you can tell what director made it or at least what director they're emulating anyways. Yeah. Which actually, so I actually do like Michael Bay films. I like his directing style. I think he could do with a little less explosions, but conversation for another time. <laughs> but um, then it's not Bayham. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really enjoy those shots. Honestly, the, the car yeah. jumping over, um, the hero shot of, uh, like, oh, what what is that called? Uh, around the world or something like that. Around yeah, yeah. Shot, whatever it is, like I I yep. appreciate those shots. I I enjoy them. I like Michael Bay's kind of style with that. So mm-hmm. to see him in here, I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. Good job. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I mean, there's a reason like I I don't say this to like bash Michael Bay, obviously, but because the thing about Michael Bay is like his storytelling is the thing that usually (laughs) needs more work. His plot. He relies too much on explosions, like honestly. (laughs) But he's a great visual director. He is. Yep. Dude does a great job with the technical and visual side of things. and, And that's something nobody can take away from him. No, very good at that. If you want proof, he did like an interview or something about the difference between Transformers 1, 2, and 3, about the visual effects of it. And if you want proof, go look at those interviews. I guarantee you, you will understand what we were talking about. Yeah, it's it's one thing to criticize a director, and we're getting a little off topic, but I think it's fine because... That's never happened. No, no, no. (laughs) But like, it's one thing to criticize a director for a specific aspect of how they go about filmmaking and that can be justified like even a really good director may make a bad film or may do one aspect of filmmaking poorly but it's another thing to just say this director is entirely bad and like it's it's kind of ridiculous like typically obviously there's some big directors i have no idea how they're still working but (laughs) Let's not name but, names, Drew. I was just a Zack Schneider, but um, <laughs> but <laughs> but most directors usually do a couple of things very very well. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So 
<laughs> Maybe I'm so a little. On the Zack Snyder comment. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just... But um, but yeah, I just uh, anyways, I just I love how this finale smacks you in the face in the most aggressive, over the way or over the top, just way possible. And they got the swan. Yes. It only they took finally... an entire two-hour movie. <laughs> this one is a great running gag. Especially when um, it's just in the back of the seat and the two guys are holding the guns all serious and the swan's just in the background. Like, they're they're <laughs> ready to shoot somebody. And then there's just a swan. I know, dude. It's awesome. And that so that final fight with Skinner, where they're kind of... Oh, and by the way, the metaphor there... Of them fighting for control of Sanford in a miniature version of Sanford. That's like, that's great. I love that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people won't even notice that, but that's such a fun little metaphor, little, uh, little, not a theme, but sim- symbolism thing. But I love the sound design of this fight with Skinner. Like their punches, it, it, it sounds like thunder a little bit and it's ridiculous, but it's kind of a fun way to mock action films because there's so many times when I, I watch an action film and the, the, the punches and the fighting, it just, the sound falls a little flat and it doesn't sound that great. And so like hot fuzz just intentionally cranks it up to 11 and, and throws it in your face. And it's just, it's, it's awesome, dude. It's awesome. Oh, it really is. Um, and then when the scene when he loses his gun, he comes out with a box cutter. The box cutter? Yeah, the box cutter. I don't remember the box cutter. So when Angel knocks him out, um, a few minutes after he asks, compliments the kid and asks him his name, which I don't, I still don't get a gag of that, by the way, and I kind of want to figure it out. But yeah, um, yeah, I think he said his name is Aaron Aaron's, and he's just like, what? I, I caught I that too. I I, I, I don't really understand the gag of it, but I kind of I kind of wish yeah. if anybody knows, please contact us. It it but might be a British thing. That's it, the other side of it. Is. It probably is. Yeah. But yeah, no. The when he defeats him, he talks to the kid and everything. Skinner gets back up, pulls out a box oh, cutter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and Angel and the kid look legit afraid. It's like it's a box cutter. I bet you if you try to stab him with it, it's going to break apart like it's supposed to. (laughs) And that's just another one of those nods to the ridiculousness of an action movie. Because if you look at most action movies, it doesn't matter what kind of weapon the villain has. If he's charging the hero, they will be exactly like that. Like You will notice that from now on. And I do not apologize for making you notice that from now on. (laughs) Yeah. No, dude, I... I, I I remember that now and that is hilarious. And see, that's the thing is like you watch this film and there's so many little gags and so many little jokes. You watch it over and you're going to catch new ones. And it's just odd. But anyways, Ryan, before we move on, because we're at the end of the film and, and I mean, there's a few more things probably before, you know, credits and all that. Is there anything else you want to say before we move on past the end of this film? Um, I think there's just one when they get mm-hmm. in the car for the first time to chase after Skinner and Danny's dad. Yeah. Um, Angel says, punch that shit. Okay. And the DP zooms in 
for every single word. And I am a sucker for when the editor and DP combine in a way that it synchronizes the sound um, with the shot, whether the sound be music, um, audio from like an animal or a person speaking. Like I'm such a sucker for that kind of shooting. And I think it's, it keeps in with the pace of the movie. And I just, I think it's, I think it is so good. I really do. Yeah. Well, it shows an aspect of, of planning forward and, and being super intentional with how you're making the film. And it's something that you know, not everybody does. Very yeah. few directors do that actually. But. All right. On to the, on to the next, on to the next, on, on to the, wait, can we get demonetized for that? I, I don't think so. We don't no. make money anyways. So. Eh, demonetized. <laughs> Copyright issue, whatever you want to call it. Nah, who cares? All the same. Who cares? But Ryan, theme time. Typically, yes, but oh, okay. In honor of Hot Fuzz laughing at itself and subverting our expectations, I want to do that too, because this film, a lot of the times, will pull the rug out from under people. And give them things they're not expecting. So, forget themes for today, Ryan. I know, right? Oh shit. We we could Are talk. Okay, listen, Drew? we could talk. I love good themes, and we could talk about themes for sure. But this film, it's it's not as focused on making like a meaningful, impactful theme as it is. Uh, a bit of a love letter to the action movie genre. So I, I, I want to talk about that for just a second, like how Edgar Wright nails comedy filmmaking. Okay. I think there is actually, I, I might have to disagree with you a little bit on this because Go ahead. I think this whole movie has an overarching theme that okay. is trying to teach its audience, which this is a problem everybody has. You need mm-hmm. to know how to separate work and personal life because that's what causes a lot of issues for sergeant angel i can agree with that 100 percent. Woo! look at me i'm smart (laughs) smrt oh yeah i mean he's genuinely happier by the end of the film yeah and like yes you are right that's a really good theme to mention good job buddy i'm done continue to but So I I do want to talk for a second how Edgar Wright kind of nails comedy filmmaking because – and I want literally every single writer listening to this who does comedy to please aspire to make like better constructed comedies. Like literally – Edgar Wright level comedies. Yes. Literally avoid any comedy style – or like movie style starring like Will Ferrell, The Rock, Kevin Hart, Seth Rogen, Vince Vaughn, Ben, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not saying they're not funny, but the filmmaking is so boring. Like they don't use the full range of filmmaking. They don't use cinematography, sound design, editing. Like it's it's just a lot of these American comedies that we have now. They're basically just high quality SNL skits. I, I mean, yeah, that's actually a really good and fair comparison. 
Yeah. And I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying they're not funny. I'm not saying there's never been a good movie in that style. I mean, like the other guys, you know, classic Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell. Great movie. Super funny. But it doesn't do anything revolutionary filmmaking. And just imagine how much better it would be if it had this same level of commitment to the filmmaking. And so I just, I wanted to throw that out there. Like things like, like filmmaking methods, like show don't tell also applies to the comedy. Like not everything has to be delivered in dialogue, right? Like staging cuts or cuts that are like intentionally jarring or how the information is delivered with like the framing and how something enters the frame or how something exits the frame and like fun, like these things that filmmakers should use, but a lot of comedic filmmakers don't use it because they're comedians, not filmmakers. And so it's just like using this full range of, of filmmaking tools is, is just, it's essential. And like, I promise you, your comedy will be 10 times better if you just do that. I so would that's definitely agree. I, no, I would definitely agree with you. I think the problem is that people, especially here in America, like they, they don't give a shit about visuals. Like that's all it comes down to. Like you can make a phenomenal movie like Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. but people who watch it are going to be, because it's British humor and different, they're going to be like, oh, this is not very good. But they, yeah. that's because they don't look at the visuals or the sound design or the set design or anything like that. And I think Hollywood has kind of realized that like nobody really cares about <sighs> visuals when it comes to not not every genre, but specifically comedies because they need something to make you laugh. They don't care about making it look good. It's not like an action movie where it's heavily dependent on the visuals or yeah. like Marvel, you know, like they just in comedies, they would much rather have laugh, 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 not look good, look good, laugh. And the laugh plays to making it look good. And that, cause that's just too much work for something that people don't really care about, which is really yeah. sad now that I say that out loud. It's very sad. And a lot of comedies and, and again, I've said this before and I'm not changing my mind about it because comedy is kind of this unique genre where if it makes you laugh, you can tend to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's just, it, I wish it was a little different. I wish comedic filmmakers really dedicated to tying the jokes and the fun into the filmmaking. And like, we just, you don't get that a lot. It's just, it's a rare thing. And Edgar Wright is very, very good at it. Amen. Yeah, man. (laughs) But, Ryan, before we get into the spicy hot outro, I will say, if you guys enjoy this podcast, you can leave a rating. If you don't enjoy it, uh, I, I don't know why you're still here, first off, but <laughs> if you don't enjoy it, <laughs> if you don't, just pretend it never happened. You can just leave. It's fine. It's fine. But if you do, leave a review, leave a comment, 
why you like it, why you dislike us. I don't care. Just do whatever you want. And then, that's for all we care. <laughs> yeah, I can take it. But and also, if you guys enjoy this and you want to interact with us more on social media, we have a Twitter account. It's at. Oh, sorry. It's at. Tagging it away. Oh, I forgot our Twitter handle, Ryan. <gasps> I, honestly, I don't even know it. I, I, I don't know the password either. You run the Twitter page, so it's because you don't Twitter. That's true. I don't Twitter. I have not had Twitter on my phone since like 2013 or 14. So <laughs> it is at antagonist underscore pod. So if you guys want to go follow us on Twitter, we can interact with you there. We'll post more stuff. With that being said, Ryan, give us this spicy hot outro. This is Danny Butterman. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah.